Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, are we doing this? Let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? And what the fucking knots? And I might add, uh, my very first uh, self-declared what the fuck Rican. Welcome. He tweeted me that the other day that he is a what the fuck Rican. Didn't get a name. Don't remember his Twitter handle, but I have a what the fuck Rican now listening to WTF. I am Mark Marin. This is the show. Thank you for coming. We have a great show today. I'm going to talk to uh, Rob Cordry from Children's Hospital and from several movies. I enjoyed him in um, Hot Tub Time Machine, but he's going to stop by the Cat Ranch here and talk for a little while. I do hope that the smell of pot is out of the garage here at the Cat Ranch by the time uh, I interview any more guests. Not that I care. It just, uh, you know, it's hard to tell people like, it wasn't me. It was, uh, Kevin Smith was here. He was here. And now everything smells like pot. I went out last night to a club and people were coming up to me going, you smell like pot. And I'm like, I don't smoke pot. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yep. Kevin Smith, uh, I interviewed him the other day. Uh, we talked for a, you know well over an hour and uh, he wanted to smoke pot. So I said, sure, I'll just sit across from you and breathe deeply. And that won't be a transgression. That would not be a relapse. I, I was doing my job. I had no choice. Uh, that show will be on soon. Let's talk about, why not, let's talk about, first, before I talk about the New York Times piece, can I plug my app? I would like to plug my app if I could. There is a WTF iPhone app, and a lot of you are asking, where are the early episodes? Well, the early episodes will be put up on iTunes soon. You can get premium episodes at WTFPodshop.com. There's like five live ones up there, but if you get the new iTunes app, you will be able to stream all of the early episodes that are not on iTunes. And if you upgrade, I believe you get a premium uh, WTF as well. So if that gets you in that direction, I'd love to have you do that. Knock yourself out. Droid app on the way. Hang tight. Okay. I'll talk about the New York Times piece. I like the New York Times piece. I liked it more after I read it seven times. First few times were a little difficult. Uh, I hung on to words like uh, verbose, uh, I hung on to words. I read it like you would think I would read it, only looking for the negatives. But I tell you, that guy Saltstein did a great job. I'm very happy he wrote the piece. It made me very excited. And and by no means am I getting a big head about this. I, I'll tell you how I experienced it. When it was online, I was very excited it was online. But it didn't really become real to me until Sunday when I was able to buy the paper. Now, let me just paint the picture where I was on Sunday. Sunday morning, where was I? Okay, I remember. I was at a residence in Marriott in Sacramento, California, without a car. And what I did that morning to uh, celebrate uh, me appearing in the New York Times is I went into the lobby five minutes before the breakfast buffet was over. I made myself a waffle. That's right. I put honey on that waffle and I ate it with my hands. And then I walked across the street to the How About Arden Mall. I walked across the street. I walked past the Nordstrom Rack. I walked past the weird looking barbecue place. I walked past the, uh, uh, you know, what's that place? Oh, shit. You know, that chain of Mexican restaurant. Chili's. Walked past the Chili's, right into that Starbucks, and picked up a copy of the New York Times, 
there in the parking lot of the How About Arden Mall, Sacramento, California. There's a cupcake place there. Did not buy a cupcake to celebrate. Already had a waffle. And I sat in that Starbucks and I looked at my mug, my smiling mug with my well-coiffed hair behind my microphones in the New York Times. And I looked around as if to say, huh? But there was no one there to say it to. So I said it to myself and it was very thrilling. I will say that. Sacramento, on the other hand, that was a little, uh, you know, a lot of good people up there, a lot of what, uh, what the fuckers came out. I want to thank you for that. But it was definitely some hands-on, old-school, road comedy trench work that I had to do those second shows, and I was happy to do it. I'm thrilled to be out there working, and I'm thrrilled that you guys are coming out. If you want to come see me tonight, I'm at uh, Helium in Portland. No, sorry, scratch that. If you want to come see me tonight, I'm at Helium in Philadelphia uh, tonight, which is Thursday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the, what would that be, the 13th. I'm there tomorrow, Friday, the 14th, and Saturday, January 15th, Helium in Philadelphia, if it's not uh, a snow day. And then next week, I will be at Sketchfest, where we're doing a live WTF with, uh, listen to this, Will Franken, Baron Vaughn, Maria Bamford, Bobcat Goldthwaite, Outside Chance, Weird Al will be coming. I'll be at Sketchfest all that weekend. That's the 21st and 22nd, doing a lot of shows up there. Go to the schedule to check it out. But I, I'm thrilled about the New York Times. I was thrilled about the Rolling Stone piece. and uh, But I'm keeping my humility. As I said, I took it in in a parking lot in Sacramento, and I was happy to be there because I don't want to forget where I come from. I don't want to forget who I am. And when you're in Sacramento alone in a parking lot, all you have to hold on to is yourself. If you don't have that, you might get lost. You might get lost among the strip malls. There was a guitar center right across the street. That was good for me. I courted a guitar for three days because I figured, hey, I'm in the New York Times. Why not buy a fucking guitar I don't need? Huh? Why not do that? I was on the phone with Brendan Small. Holy shit, dropping the names this episode. Dude, I found this J45 Gibson. I think I like it. I don't know. I don't know. Is this a good deal? What do you think? I went in there three days. I... I made it through the warfare that is the electric guitar area of Guitar Center on a weekend where I walk in with my 47-year-old tired blues lick ass, sit down to perhaps you know plug in a, a newer Telecaster, and I start cranking out my dumb old blues licks, and I hear the, the call to war from across the store. Yes, it's a 13-year-old shredding some Megadeth or something similar. It was just uh, basically, oh yeah, old man, why don't you eat this, motherfucker? That's how I heard it. He was pretty good, too. So I clunked out a couple of other chunky blues riffs, and then I listened to him shred for a little while longer, and I decided, I'm going to go to the acoustic room where I can get a little privacy and and maybe enjoy my, my, my time playing one of these instruments that I can't quite afford to own. So I, I retreated to the acoustic room where I slowly fell in the... Uh, it might have been dysfunctional initially, but I thought I was really into this this uh, J45. And after going back for a few days, I uh, I found that there was a buzz on the second fret around the A string, and I was not going to do it. So I said farewell. I enjoyed my time. It, there was actually I went in there one day, and there was a guy in the studio, not in the studio, but they have a separate room for the more expensive acoustic guitars. He had shut the door, and it was literally like he was doing a recording session. He was singing loudly. And I, and I sat outside for a while because I didn't want to interrupt him because I thought maybe this is this guy's time. Maybe he comes in uh, every weekend to play one of these guitars and sing and, and have that, uh, that creative time, that venting for himself. 
And I literally sat, you know, I think outside of the room in the other room where the other acoustic guitars are for probably, you know, a good three or four songs before I'm like, all right, now he's just being fucking selfish and he's playing the guitar that I want to buy. So I'm going to go in there and sort of wander around a bit, give him the stink eye with my body and see if he picks up on it. And he ended up uh, saying, yeah, don't you love this guitar? I said, hell yeah, I do. Let me have it, bro. And we talked for a little while and he split. And I did not buy the guitar, but I did. I know some of you are saying, Mark, you should treat yourself a little better. I mean, you were in the New York Times. I went to the Nordstrom Rack and I bought a pair of Clark's Desert Boots, half price, uh, parentheses, Jew, uh, was very thrilled about that. I'm yet to wear them, but uh, I have them. I don't know how you took in the New York Times article. I don't know whether you read it online or got the hard copy, but if you read it online, there was a chance that you went to a small video presentation of me Uh, about the show that included John Hodgman. Uh, It showed me interviewing John Hodgman, and it showed some clips of uh, John Hodgman talking about WTF. So I've gotten a a few emails. When's the Hodgman episode on? But before I I tell you uh, about what happened to that, let me just say that what Judd Apatow said in the New York Times article, if I could quote the article, I'll read right from it, quote, what helps him, unquote, said Judd Apatow, the director and producer and another recent guest, quote, is the fact that people mistakenly think that no one is going to listen to it when in fact a ton of people listen to it and it will last forever, unquote. The do-it-yourself quality of the podcast is setup includes only a laptop computer or a digital recorder, a mixer, and two microphones. Puts guests at ease. As Mr. Apatow put it, quote, you kind of feel like he might lose the tape on the way home, unquote. Well, guess what? The Hodgman episode is lost. It's never happened before. It will never happen again. The Hodgman episode is lost. And believe me, I didn't know John Hodgman. It took me months to get him to do the show. So I had to write John Hodgman back after we had a perfectly lovely conversation and say, hey, I lost it. Can we do it again? And he was like, absolutely. But nonetheless, you know, so that means everything in the next interview is going to be like, so tell me that thing you told me on the last one that I lost. Oh, I'm an idiot. But that's uh, that's showbiz or whatever it is that I'm doing. Now, I thought I might do this today because, you know, you all have a relationship with my father. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you all know what he's about, sort of where he comes from with his interesting sort of bipolar take on things and his strange selfish disposition but yes in in moments uh, completely lovable and overly vulnerable but he emailed me after i emailed him links to my recent press success and i thought maybe just a hey great job proud of you love you kid would be nice but that doesn't come from my father that comes in a sort of convoluted way with a lot of other advice and, and assertive demands. So subject line, just re-New uh, York Times Rolling Stone. Super achievement. Good for you. Keep the momentum rolling now while you have the real health energy. Okay. The national comedic spotlight and the rapid developing fame. The sincere earthly goodwill and love of fellow man. Dot, dot, dot. And then all caps, other projects are mentioned. Go for them now, dot, dot, dot. Back to regular text. 
Line up your support names and priorities. The rich, the famous, the connected by literary connections. Does he mean fictional characters? Theatrical connections, etc. dot, dot, dot. So you can, all caps, rapidly know and organize, all caps, your camp. I'm putting together a camp. And move forward, dot, dot, dot. The, all caps, iron is hot, strike. More caps. You worked hard for these moments. You deserve every break and a first crack at every opportunity. Dot, dot, dot. Still all caps. Talk show host on primetime, comma, etc. Back to regular. Life is good, but for a very short time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and the public is fickle to all professionals. Comedy, showbiz, medicine, dot, dot, dot. We grow old and out of touch with the big, powerful influences quickly, dot, dot, dot. Get them committed, all caps, now! Back to normal. By interview comments on the WWW, that would be the World Wide Web, I believe, TV, podcasts, or in the media. He who hesitates is lost easily, all caps. Now go for it! Back to normal. You should now have all caps, inexpensive access to the best theatrical advertising, dot, 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 all caps, the best in product endorsement, dot, 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 etc. dot, 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 the moment is yours, dot, 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 command it. Back to regular text. Love, Dad. Uh... I have a I have a fake Emmy. Yeah, that uh, was it given to you at a fake Emmy ceremony. <laughs> well, we call it uh, yes. It was at the Kamemi <laughs> ceremony. We call yeah for the Daily Show. Only the producers uh, when you win the best show, best variety, or whatever. Only right. the producers actually win an Emmy. But they were nice enough one year to give us all uh, all the correspondents got statues. Yeah, but on the back where it would say you know Rob Corddry blah blah blah, it says commemorative. <laughs> So it's really like, it's literally a fake Emmy. So they had to do that legally? Yeah. It's given, I mean, they bought it from the whatever. From the, the Emmy Academy. place? Yeah. From the Emmy store. Oh, so. so The Emmy Mart. So the Emmys have actually prepared for the fact that they know they're only awarding the people that produce the show yep. and that there'd be a bunch of unhappy talent. So they make this available. They, probably, I mean, yeah, I, I think like they, it was John, I think that was nice enough to say like. Can you, yeah. give, can, can you give? Can you throw me throw, five more of those things? Throw, throw the talent about the kids. Yeah, <laughs> they, they seem to be doing something around the yeah. office. But I don't know what to do with it because, like, it's even a real Emmy. I'd, I'd feel a little embarrassed to have the, it out or whatever. But like, it's not even a real Emmy. No, especially if it's just one. I think when people put three or four out, then it's sort of impressive. <laughs> but at that point, you'd have a room for them mm -hmm. that you'd only bring people you know who are special. Like, yeah, yeah show exactly. You the, well, let me show you the Emmy yeah. room. Uh, <laughs> Rob Cordry is in the garage here at the Cat Ranch. A late call. This is one of the later interviews I've done. So I don't know what the, you know, my tone might be a little different. Oh. What's, it's, it's night has fallen. You've, yeah. You've come from work. Yeah. Usually I get people out when they're uncomfortable. It's during the day. They're, they're still getting up. <laughs> but you've had a full day. Comedians in the morning. Yeah. Oh. That's the best. You, then yeah. they're, they're sort of vulnerable. They're not sure what they're doing here. No, I've had a full day. I almost, I was actually kind of dozing off in my car on the way over here. I, my eyes so you got were a nap really in. heavy. <laughs> You know, yeah. I was literally shaking my head. How many times oh. have you done that, shaking your head? It's to the worst right. feeling in the world. The moment when you wake up and you're driving. That is the worst. 
It is terrifying. It really terrifying. is. Terrifying. Because you know right then, who the fuck knows what yeah. could have happened. Yeah. So what- and full on hard on. <laughs> Every time I fall asleep, I wake up with a full on hard on. Just like the morning. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, that's probably not usable. I just got to pee and it'll go away. Exactly. Yeah. So you were at, now you're shooting at, at, at you're shooting a second season of Children's Hospital. Technically the third. The first season was um, a web web series. Right. So, but it's we're calling it the third season. But how did that make the jump? I mean, what now? Because everyone talks about that's it, a big dream. Like that's what the idea of providing free content uh, for for servers or for YouTube. Yeah. The big idea is that someday someone will go, "Wow, let's make a television show out of that." Yeah. But who was, where was the web series? Was it just on YouTube or was it, it sponsored? No, it was, it was sponsored. It was, it was in that sort of sweet spot around the strike, writer strike right. area when uh, studios didn't have a lot to do and they start, they all started these digital arms, right? right? As um, a loophole. We got to keep these guys gotta, working. Exactly. No, yeah, for and real. And work for free. It's and terrific. It's also free development yeah, for them. Now right. it kind of failed. I, I, there, there wasn't many web series that went to you know, that actually got to be shows, but we were just lucky in that uh, it uh, we we treated it like a television show. You know what I mean? We It looks good. It was right. the, one of the first web series to actually look slick. Right. You know, for the internet. I mean, on TV, it well, looks no, like I, shit. It's but... amazing that the kind of crap that people put up who expect opportunity to come from it. Like, it, it is the internet, but just as easy it is to put things on the internet, it's not that expensive to shoot something that looks good, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, I mean, no. I mean, but you you get the right people, right? You know what I mean? That's it. Who like who are your people? How well, you... uh, we've got uh, our well, like just one of those like stalwart cameraman, camera yeah. operators, yeah, 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 yeah. who uh, this was one of his first DP jobs, and he is just like he's the best. Isn't it great man? when you work with people that know what they're doing? Oh my god, he's incredible. Like my my technological expertise is limited to what's happening right between my mouth and this microphone. <laughs> There's really. a lot of wires in this room. Well, I, but you got I, a good I, setup here. Someone had to come teach me how to use shit. It's good. Yeah, I mean, it looks like I know what I'm doing, but but really, if something were to go wrong, I've got to make some calls. <laughs> <laughs> my wife. Oh man, my half of my life is spent trying to teach my wife she's been married i'm kind of tech savvy and I, i've spent the last 10 years literally like telling her how to open a file oh on really the computer she's just completely retarded when it comes to working just uh, with working though she's j- she can do other things. other no otherwise well actually she has down syndrome well, good for you. I mean, it's nice to help out. Now, what are the it's always odds- been a fetish of mine. What, what are the odds of you having a, a normal kid or two completely normal kids? Really, yeah, and the who dad- are midgets? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that worked out. You got a funny family. <laughs> Boy, you should do a hilarious. show with that family. You're dead. That's the next show after a Children's Hospital. Is a guy yeah. with a Down syndrome wife and two normal children who it, are midgets. It's called Poor Rob Cordry. <laughs> Is this how you develop shows? You're <laughs> exactly. With, you're one of those ridiculous people. Yeah. It's just like, I just thought of it on Marin's podcast, and I realized, <laughs> yeah. holy shit, there's got to be some Down Syndrome actors, <laughs> right? Got, I'm pitching it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so it's on the web series. Yeah. And uh, but it, where was it? Was it on YouTube? Because I'm no. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that I'm was not, your question. I my yeah. internet was down, so I, I don't know anything about you other than the, <laughs> what I've seen on television the okay. few times we've met. Right. So we'll just go by that one. Sure, 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 sure. I'll tell you all about myself. Good, good. Me. So it, you just threw it up on, but you had some cachet. People knew who you were. You were on the Daily Show. Yeah, you were. I guess. And and the, uh, the well, Hot Top Time Machine hadn't come out that time. No, right? no, 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 no. I was in a lot of crappy movies before that. But yeah, the Daily Show was pretty much the thing, and 
and it was Warner Brothers themselves who produced it, and only for their website. But they couldn't pay you. Oh, they paid us. Oh, yeah, okay. no, we got a full budget. A very—I I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was pretty good. But, for but how was that avoiding the writer strike? In a sense, they weren't paying writers, or, you, or what, how did that work? I don't really know. I don't have. Was it a some good sort of loophole? Like you know, that it wasn't internet didn't count. It's not union, right? Right? Or, right? You know, I, I don't. I don't really remember. But and, I remember that's what I was doing with my time. And what was the development process of the show? I mean, what you know, what sparked the idea? Well, um, I have a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter. My four-year-old was two at the time, and she has this thing. It's called nursemaid's elbow, where a ligament, if you if you jerk it hard enough, hmm. her ligament will pop out. A and you learned that how? I was beating the shit out of her one <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she popped it out. We and took you her said, to the... why are you crying? Exactly. <laughs> that didn't hurt me when I was a kid. <laughs> and all of a sudden- Comedy was born. Yeah. But it is actually just that tragic. Like, we went to Children's Hospital, the emergency room, and, like, it's the least funny place on the planet, you know? And, uh, you know, scared parents and crying and hurt kids. And the thing that I I found was not funny, but the thing, I think the idea came when I noticed that everything was, like, small-sized. Yeah. Like, gurneys are smaller and (laughs) IVs are smaller. And I was like, oh, that's horrible. Horrible, and <laughs> somewhere in there, I had the idea for it. And and what you are the chief doctor there, or what is your? No, no, no. Of? I have a very actually uh, uh, of the leads in the show. I have a, uh, probably one of the smaller parts, just so I, you know I could do the other stuff. And you're working with kids, and I'm very bad. Yeah, I, I can't act when I'm doing all this other stuff. I really? find it really hard to like turn it all off, and I, it's getting easier. But during the web series, which I also directed, I didn't direct any other ones. I was junk. Yeah. Garbage. Because you're too distracted? Complete, yeah. Complete garbage. You actually stand behind the counter and go, Rob! Rob! (laughs) You're (laughs) awful. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) I just watched fucking uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, and that's your movie, for fuck's sake. I had no idea. I mean, I knew you were coming over, Uh and I had rented it actually before I think I knew you were coming over, Uh because I wanted to see it, because I like you, I like Craig Robinson. And uh, I didn't. I didn't realize Kuzak was in it, and I didn't know the other kid. But that's your movie. Oh well, thanks, man. I mean, me and Craig got very lucky in that movie because uh, they needed something fun. Like that that whole crazy scene where I almost blow him in the bathroom and I get jizz, fake jizz all over yeah, my yeah, uh, yeah. That was a reshoot because they just needed something to break up the Cusack story, the love story. And we were just like, sort of had that landed in our laps, you yeah, know. Yeah, and that's yeah. like, it's the just the greatest. But you like stupidest. You scene. were just so fucking over the top. Yeah, <laughs> pretty that's, much. And that's sort of what you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And that when you when you started, you weren't you never did stand up, right? No, uh, I where'd, did like where, sketch you, and improv. Where'd you come from? Uh, well, I used to do. I was the. I remember actually seeing you at Gotham Comedy Club way back in the early nineties. Yeah, uh, was we I were, an asshole? No, no, okay. no, no. I just watched you. Oh. I, I didn't. We never met. Oh, um, but you were just one of the guys that I would see before. We were the house sketch group at Gotham Comedy Club, but it was called Third Rail Comedy. Okay, um, and was that like on Monday nights or something, or like like an off night? Like, exactly. Yeah, Some yeah Monday yeah. or Tuesday nights. Yeah, and basically, that's guys you, like you would come in and just work stuff out. Right, or that's the impression I got. Right, right. We'd come in and they'd be like, "Yeah, the sketch shows on." <laughs> Yeah. And we'd wait around going, oh, boy. Oh, you book. look in the room, there's more than two people on stage. And, and nobody wanted to follow a sketch group either. <laughs> so no matter how bad we were, it's just like it's a different thing. Stand-ups hated us. I don't, like, I don't hate sketch, but there's moments where 
where I watch sketch and I'm not sure that I I understand it clearly. Like I like it's hard for me to tell the difference between a fucking genius sketch and one that's just shit. Is that possible? I mean, in the sense that like I see if there's more yeah. if there's three or four people up there and they're all doing this thing, and then there's one payoff at the end that's ridiculous. I'm thinking, like, it took four people to do that. <laughs> Why don't you just tell it as a joke? That whole because that's really what it is. It's like just blow it like a five minute joke. Sometimes, yeah, but other times, real. like if things are really kind of synchronized, and I, I guess well, I don't want to be an asshole, but it's it's, it's please hard. do well, but it's hard to make sketch that doesn't look like like are we in college? It's well, it's all been done. Yeah. It's like really the only time I ever laugh at a sketch is if I think it's a truly, truly original, fresh idea, and I haven't seen that. Well, what what drove forever. you in that direction? I mean, were, did you watch sketch when you were a kid and decided that was a shit? Or I what? did, but no. Like I was a big fan of you know old SNL and and Monty Python and Kids in the Hall. Right. Those are probably my biggest sketch influences. But I was doing like I fancied myself quite the important actor when I was young and in New York. I, I went to theater school and I came to New York and I was in really shitty Shakespeare plays. But I was always playing the jackass, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, my friend asked me to audition for a sketch group and I was like, uh, all right. And and then I just really loved it. Did you go to college for theater? Yeah. Where? UMass Amherst. Oh, fuck. I know UMass Amherst. Yeah, sure I drove do. out there. There's like four schools out there. There's Mount Holyoke, yeah. Amherst. There's Smith. the hippie school. Yeah. Isn't Hampshire, Hampshire out there? Hampshire, yeah. Like there's just this weird cluster. You drive out in yeah. the middle of Massachusetts and then you smell pot <laughs> and you drive yeah. by Hampshire and then you enter like a giant quad. Yeah. All bookstores and coffee shops. Yeah, it's like a, like a, a fake world out there. It's Yeah, it's amazing. And you, you, you went to school for theater. Uh, well, yeah, that was my, I, I was a double major uh, in theater and English. I never finished the theater major, but that's what I did. Were you a star there on campus? Yeah. And yeah. And the like. But the, you were a serious sm- actor. I was definitely like, uh, it was a little pond. It was a very little pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. like three of us that were cast and everything, but we thought we were the shit. What are the other guys doing? Um, where Where are the other guys? They're doing stuff. One of them is a Broadway producer right now. Mm-hmm. One of them doesn't act anymore, but he's very funny. And uh, I, f- uh, who else? Um, oh, Jeff Donovan yeah. is uh, the uh, lead in the USA show Burn Notice. Oh yeah, yeah. I went to school with him. I saw commercials about that. It's amazing how many people fall the wayside, though, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Fucking crazy dream, isn't it? <laughs> it's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's a really, really stupid. Did you thing grow to do. up in Massachusetts? Yeah. Where? Boston, just south of Boston. Which uh, place? Weymouth. I know Weymouth. Yeah, you were in Boston for a I was in there for, for years doing one-nighters all over that That's fucking That's right. You, Weymouth. Is that where you came up? Like kind of. Uh, Cross uh, and me Louis. and Janine. Yeah, Louie was a little after me. You know, he was, but he was long, Boston younger. too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I definitely did the Boston circuit. So you don't seem to have any affectation of being a mass hole or slightly uh, retarded or angry or <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, sarcastic. Hey, Marin. Uh, uh, what, you think you're smart? I've tried to, yeah. I, I, did I don't you, know, it's did there. You, did, it is? Well, you know, the character in Hot Tub Time Machine was a <laughs> yeah. Boston guy without the accent, <laughs> yeah. basically. Just fucking balls to the <laughs> wall, fucking, fucking stupid. <laughs> this is big assholes. Now, when you start doing, like, the the New York, I, I'm just curious as to, to, to know what kind of ridiculous fucking acting Training you too. Yeah. Did you do Meisner and stuff? Uh, I no no no. My I my school taught uh, 
practical aesthetics. That's you, the Mamet school. Oh, uh, the acting. Atlantic school? The Atlantic, yeah. You went to the Atlantic I school? I did not, but that's what I learned. I learned that technique. I love I love Mamet's whole thought process. And it's like, yeah. actors are just idiots. Yeah. You, any fucking moron yeah. can act. And literally, it's like, here is a formula for yeah. acting. Follow it and shut up. Right. And yeah. it's... <laughs> But it's weird because there's no emphasis on character or nope. feeling. It's like just pretend and shut up. And his, you know, movies are the acting's very wooden. It is. Not a lot of people can pull that off. But it, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. None of it works. My ex-wife, my first wife, was involved with that. And I read, you know, I read writing in restaurants, and I read the stuff that she got from her teachers mm-hmm. with the Atlantic School. And it's sort of like, why would? Why is he so condescending Ugh. to actors? I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. fucking understand it. They all, all acting teachers and 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 all schools of acting are like are that way. I think is because they they attract people who are, I think, uh, not confident in in what they can do naturally. Well, I think you know so, I mean? right? But I think also so much acting schools and even improv classes at this point have just been something that, like, you know, people who have regular jobs, like, yeah, I want to come out of my shell, almost like, you know, yeah. I want to do this for myself. There's no career aspiration. I think right, it'll be right, helpful right. in my life. I want, yeah. So, or it's like I'm going to give Bob uh, an improv class for a gift because he's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And these poor people, they show up <laughs> with a bunch of serious nineteen-year-olds exactly. who are trying to do something. <laughs> yeah, the Atlantic School. That's so fucking weird. Yeah, right. Because it seems to me that some people have. Like obviously they're great actors and they put a craft together for themselves from a lot of different a lot of different yeah. disciplines. Like you know, there's no like I went to when I was in New York. I went to this guy Michael Howard, who was like I think a second tier old methody guy. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he was just like this old sort of like Jewish Buddha that used was to it like sit in the Michael middle. Howard studio. Yeah, or something? yeah, yeah Michael, that's, I, I, that sounds familiar. Yeah, and 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 what I I distinctly remember, and the one thing that I I can't fault the Atlantic School with is that. With some acting classes, you don't ever feel like there's an end to it. It's like you're going to spend the rest of your life here. Well, it's like therapy. Yeah. They're always like, well, you know, you can't. There's no end. Yeah. There's always learning. You're always learning. Yeah. And it's like giving us money. Right. And then you you go away for six months and then all of a sudden you're in class. and It's like Joe is back. He spent a year doing summer stock and finding himself. And now he's uh, he wants to work on some clowning. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever take a clown class? Yes. Hardest thing I've ever done. By what is the way. that about, though? Awful. I took it in college, and it was a clowning class. And and the final exam, you had to the, you spend the whole semester creating your clown character. And it's this big thing, like, uh, oh god, only theater school can totally ruin comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're like, it, it's a ceremony where you get your nose. No. But the final exam no, is, is you get your nose. The final exam is you have to go into the room, uh, into the middle of the circle. All your, all the fellow classmates are in a circle. Uh-huh. And you have to make the whole class laugh. Now, belly laugh uh-huh. without saying anything. Uh-huh. And you just, by doing the character that you've developed. And a lot of people literally ran out of the room crying because that's nearly impossible. But that's hilarious. It's so always oh, fucked up. And uh, <laughs> what do you mean they ran out? What they ran out there. They just couldn't do it. They were. It's terrifying. So in the middle of, they've got their nose on and they've got their makeup. They don't on. have their nose yet. Oh, they so didn't get their nose. This is to earn your nose. This is to earn your nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they fucking lost. They it? fucking cried. They, yeah. What did you do? Do you remember? I know. Oh well, yeah. I I don't remember exactly what I did to make them laugh, but I remember doing some shtick or whatever that I've been doing, and you know, got some giggles. And then you get a little scared, and you and then you go right to the dick, <laughs> right to the poop <laughs> and the dick and the you, ass, yeah, yeah. right there. Yeah. And then that gets a a couple of chuckles too. But the teacher was obviously like, mm, mm, hack, mm. yeah. 
And then you make this decision to either sort of jump off the cliff and do something real and honest and fun, or you run out of the room crying. Right. You know, and I don't remember what I did, but I eventually got a laugh. Do you think think it helped you at all? It definitely made me um, less scared, I think. I think like, that's probably the goal of all acting programs. I'm still thinking about it now. Yeah, I still think about it. It's it was a real. It made a real impression on the me. clown thing that that one day, because you can't talk, and like because I remember like I I it was something I regret doing. There like there was a while there where I thought it would be an interesting uh, a show if someone would produce it. Is that to send me to clown college because I'm such a heady oh, fucking guy? You'd have the worst time. Really. I don't you think like, but isn't it a lot of hands like you know? And then like, there's a vulnerability to like there, because the clown isn't the clown by its nature supposed to be sort of sad. Well, no fucking no genre or whatever of comedy takes itself as seriously as clowns do, and that is like comedy. That's poison to me. That's like the worst is when somebody takes it but, that. But I guess you knew in that moment where you went for your dick that like I got instincts here. I'm going places. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be stuck in this. Lofty acting look, world. Look, you guys. <laughs> yeah, your no- you. Keep your look nose. I'm jerking it. I'm jerking. <laughs> Give me my nose. This I'm is my it. dick. <laughs> That's really Put my all, nose what it was. My dick. I just started smiling and pointing to my dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, like the the standard thing is like you know, I I remember when I saw clowns. There's always that sort of sad, uh-huh. lumbering thing, and then like. He's happy. Something else happens. And isn't there like? Did you have to make your own face? Did you have to choose a face? No, I don't think there were. There was makeup actually. Oh, oh, it was okay. more like a costume. It was somehow distorting your body to to make it look and feel different. And then like, there's a whole thing about leading from a different part of your body. Like, choose a different. Figure out where you lead from, and then choose a different part to lead. Did from. any of that set in with you? Uh, in when I was doing theater. Yeah. Uh, in it definitely, it would. You know, I'd do all that shit like pretend your character's an animal. Oh, you did that? And what? Oh, yeah, sure. Like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Dude, I was in. I drank the Kool Aid. <laughs> what? Fuck yeah. Like, so what were the big roles, bro? I want to know what the big roles uh, in college were. The big were. roles like, were. That really, like, you knew that you were a good actor at that moment. I played Brick in Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Mm-hmm. And that was a definite turning point for me. Um, did you do a Southern accent? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You want to hear it? Yeah. Hi, I am from the South. <laughs> fucking spot on it's right great yeah and it like you went right into it that was like it was right atlanta there. suburbs that's yeah. exactly what i was doing <laughs> since <right> memory thing <laughs> um but, but you knew that you could hold the stage no well i was told i had you know all actors have a guru sort of and i had this acting teacher ed golden who was my guru and he yeah. was awesome and yeah i really looked up to him and one day i had a uh, meeting with him and he was like so uh, do you he was a real weirdo didn't really talk a lot he's like do you want to do this for a living and i went uh yeah, I, I think so. And he goes, yeah, you could. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was I was it. like, oh, well, I guess got permit. And then I never kind of, never See, doubted it. That was the only real conversation you had with the guy you looked up to? Yes. And so that was Probably. It. So that was sort of like the equivalent of getting your nose. So you got I your got nose. my nose. Yeah, yeah. And I then got you, my nose. And, then and he, he gave me a ton of cocaine. Oh, no, he didn't. No. <laughs> Fill that nose. Yeah. <laughs> go. And then you go to New York and then you realize like, oh, fuck, this isn't. This is hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What were some of those gigs? Did you ever do any of the small theater things? Oh, where, that's all I did. With like, like, okay, this is where the girl gets naked for no reason. <laughs> no. Was there any of that? No, but I do get mad when I go to theater and there's no nudity. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm I like, would, yeah, experimental theater, dude. I, there was some girl that was a friend of my cousin's. She was gonna, you know, she was on stage in New York. My cousin tells me, and I uh-huh. go, and I know this girl. She's 14, yeah. and I think that the the show is called Mud Angel. 
And I don't even, <laughs> not, I don't even know what the Thank fuck it God. was, but all I know at some point she was covered with mud and half nude. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought it was fine, but there's that, the weird thing to experimental theater is so much of it is bad. Mm-hmm. And, and no matter how good the actor is, you're sitting there going, oh my God, they're trapped in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> but most of them, like I said, have drank the Kool-Aid and they think it's the best thing in the world. Did you ever do any of those really shitty shows? I did well, pretty much all the, I did a lot of Shakespeare when I first got to New York and it was all shitty. Do you, All small, like theater row, black box theaters, and what is the point of Shakespeare after a certain? I mean, well, that's the thing. I think I like it. I do like to watch it and listen to it. I don't know if I'd ever do it again because you know why people always like they're always recasting Hamlet in like yeah fucking Roman times or the or moon Romeo yeah. and Juliet on the moon yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. or uh, you know two gentlemen of yeah. Verona underwater <laughs> fellow underwater yeah exactly yeah. and like it's because it's. There's not a lot left to mine. You know yeah. what I mean? Like everybody's figured it out. I'm just an asshole because like I never had the intellectual fortitude or the interest or the perseverance to sort of read this, to get it. I never would have because I was an English major as well, like I said, and I, I had to read a lot of these things and I could never get into it until I acted in them and then I kind of got it and I enjoyed it. I do, yeah. I do enjoy it. Would you ever do it? You wouldn't do it again? I don't know, man. I might like, uh, I don't know. I yeah. really don't know. I, is it hard to memorize? I know I don't know because you know it's all in a lot of it's in iambic pentameter, it's the rhythm, which it, makes right? it very easy actually. So and and you just do it over and over again. And, now where are you shooting this thing? Um, we're shooting at the uh, at an abandoned hospital on uh, Riverside oh. and Valley Village. Does it smell like a hospital? It doesn't smell like a hospital. It's freezing. Yeah, and it's dirty. There's no heat. There's no heat. No, oh, there's no power on. There's power, but there's no heat. This hasn't been a hospital since 1992 or three. Yeah, it was the Scrubs Hospital, actually, okay, where they shot Scrubs, and it's a shithole. And they're actually going to demolish it, I think, after this year. And our plan is to put cam- dress the hallways, put cameras in there, and shoot it being demolished, so that we can eventually like use it in some. See, this won't be for a while, but oh, that's great. That's our plan. Yeah, so that's super cool. How many uh, shows have you done? How, how do you structure it? Do you structure it in sketches or, or segments, or does each one have a narrative? I'm sorry, I'm not hip to it. No, no, we do. Uh, we um, they're 11 minute shows in 15 minute blocks on Adult Swim, you know. And there is a uh, yeah, there's no commercials, but there is a A, B, and C story, uh-huh. and we. It's mostly though, like there's no real continuity. There's not a lot of character development or heart. No heart. Uh, it's really just whatever serves the jokes. It's like joke overload. And is that like a manifesto? Do you, I mean, do you say that to the rest That's of the That's kind of like the Bible. Like yeah. No heart. There. Well, no, the, the exec, the Adult Swim exec, who's a great guy, said to me once, like, I want to see more of the relationships here. And I was like, that's not the point. How about jokes? You want to see jokes? I could do jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to waste time on... Do you, relationships. Do you, do you like? Are you against uh, any heart in your comedy in general? This no, 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 no. Oh. I actually appreciate heart in comedy too. Because I thought, time. like you know, it's my point of reference is Hot Tub. That you were sort of a sympathetic character. There was a lot of heart. Yeah, yeah there I mean, really for was. a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine. Well, there the was some odd, heart. Yeah. The odd thing about it is, is that the friendships for some reason in that movie were more believable. Than, than some movies that are based on friendships. So, like, that was really a secondary thing. But it, there was something about, like, because yeah, Craig Robinson is such a, sort of a generous, 
you know, comedic talent in mm-hmm. a weird way. You know, he's sort yeah. of like, he's a big presence, but he's very porous and emotionally available somehow. No, he really is. You're right. And and, really Kuz- is. and Kuzak is the same way. So it actually, for some reason, when you watch forced buddy movies, you're like, oh my God, there's no fucking way these guys are friends. But yeah. somehow or another, you kind of bought it with that thing after a certain point. We were also friends too. Those are good guys. Like, if you know Craig, like he's just the sweetest guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he forgets to do my podcast twice, but I mean, outside of that, I get those emails like, "Oh man, I'm sorry, I forgot to," and then I just stop calling him. But he's a very funny guy. But Kuzak too, nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's been a star since he was fucking eight. So uh, he's just that kind of guy. I mean, I'm not saying he's like arrogant or anything like that. He's just like. Uh, he's been a star for a long time, and I think that messes with you a little bit. But, but yeah, good guy. And your brother's an actor. Yep. How did that happen? Uh, well, he's younger than me. He was. My, I was. You know, he riding your coattails? No, he would never ride my coattails. But he would definitely was like, did it when he was young. Did it because I was doing it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you're the only two in the family. No, we have a sister. What'd she end up? Um, she's a, a housewife yeah. in Boston. Yeah. Raising two kids. I can't believe you come from Boston, man. Yeah. So you did, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 40 in February. Oh, so you knew like like when it was great. I mean, I, I mean, I was there. I mean, Back when Whitey Baljo was there. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. yeah, when they ran the place. Yeah. yeah. In Southie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I went to college there. From I was there from 81, you know, and through, you know, to 88. Where'd I you went go to back. college? There are colleges University. there in Boston? A couple. A uh-huh. couple. Yeah, they're hard to find, but huh. if you look them up, like if you Google Boston colleges, <laughs> you, you'll get something. You, you Google know what I mean? breaks. Yeah. No, I, but I, like, there was a period there where I lived in Boston and there was like a year where I developed such a deep resentment and fear of the Boston townie that I could barely function. Oh, yeah. But, well, you were there at 81. I mean. Yeah. 81, 82. There, I think it was like right around when Belushi died, I decided the Irish were against me. They are. Yeah. Oh, they are. <laughs> and I used to have to go do. But years later, I would go out to like, you know, Falmouth. I'd go to Yarmouth. I'd go to Lemonster. I'd go to Amesbury. Different I mean, state. All those towns, they're like, if it's outside of Route 495. Dude, different state. There, there's a type of whiteness in New England that is just baffling. Right? I, I can't. It's so funny to me. Like when I started to become aware of politics or whatever. Yeah. That I then I was told I discovered that Massachusetts is one of these very staunch blue states. I had no idea. It's a blue state, which is good, I but grew I mean, up, it's also a white state. It's the f- most racist place yeah. in the world. Yeah. Socially. Oh, yeah. Even though they've, you know, legalized gay marriage. So backwards, so close-minded. Well, there's this cluster. When, you, when you're in Boston, you're like, well, Cambridge is, you know, it's, uh-huh. yeah, but that's it. That's it. I mean, you know, you it's the only city in the world where you're like, where'd they put the black people? Well, the like only, the black people lived in uh, Dorchester. Mattapan. Or Mattapan or- uh, or, or way out there, there's that- Roxbury. Pro- Roxbury, yeah. right. But it, 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 it took me a long time to realize, like, it, the student population is transient. The the indigenous population is a oh, little yeah. frightening. Well, look, I grew up in Weymouth. It's basically like a wannabe Southie, which was all Irish Catholic. What are of you? Course. I'm Protestant. Uh, you know, very uh, you 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 know, uh, Western European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of name is Cordry? It's Cordry is French Huguenot, so okay. really just English. And yeah, yeah. For, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Scottish and Irish, but uh, I was a minority. Yeah. being Protestant. Right. there. and I didn't meet. A Jew until college, <laughs> for real. Did you feel his head? You're like, where's the horn? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? So exotic. 
<laughs> That's my friend yeah. David Weintraub. <laughs> He's from another planet. Exactly. <laughs> really? Did not meet a Jew. And uh, we two black people in my high school, and I grew. I graduated with a class of two hundred and forty. So there's. But like that, two like, black people. But in, in the movie, like school. Hot Tub Time Machine, like that, that, that type of townie that's like, you fucking asshole. Like the stuff that you would see, like wandering around Kenmore Square, that these people that would come in from the suburbs, it was terrifying. Ter- they are terrifying people. Yeah. What, what is that? It's just alcoholics. Is it just alcohol and Irish? Very Irish. It's cold eight months out of the year. It's, uh, um, and I, 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 beyond that, I really don't know. They're very sarcastic people. Oftentimes not as funny as they think they are, and that's a recipe for you know yeah just bad times. But but you didn't have any fights or anything. Oh like, yeah, fuck yeah. Were you a fighter? No. Oh, but everybody in you know gets in fights and but you're you're I was jumped a lot at parties by some guy that just decided he didn't like me and yeah. you know uh, a lot of that. College too. I mean that's the Massachusetts is it's just fucking bizarre it's and rough. it's like it's so... and I'm not a good fighter. I would be I'd be the guy like kind of on the outskirts of the fight like looking at my peripheral not wanting to throw a punch or get punched and then after I'd be lying about all the punches I threw <laughs> yeah you hung around with guys that fought oh, oh shit yeah. we got into some shit dude I can't tell you how many times like fucking Rudy from South Weymouth would come to uh, the Dave's pool and be like you guys we need backup over Weymouth Landing <laughs> guys up. from fucking Hang'em are down there dude <laughs> They fucking st- they stole Smitty's sneakers. <laughs> they stole his fucking shell toes. We gotta get them. Yeah, it's important. Like, oh God, really? <laughs> okay, I'm into this. Yeah, yeah. Let's you know what go. I mean? Whose uh, car are we taking? Uh, to this day, like I've just uh, so right now. What led to the Daily Show thing? I was doing comedy. I was doing sketch or improv rather at the UCB Theater yeah. in New York, and uh, it started to become like Second City or the Groundlings. So it started to be some, you know, a place where like Lauren Michaels would come. Which one, UCB? UCB. Yeah, yeah, the old theater in twenty. I remember that Street. with the uh, with the weird chairs. Yeah, you performed there. Yeah, I a did. Yeah, times. I saw you there a couple of times. They didn't have some. What was it? They were like uh, airport waiting room chairs, or they got a That's deal. exactly right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I remember that. And it used to be a porno theater, or it used to be a strip club, the Harmony. Right, and Matt Walsh lived upstairs. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's I remember. Right. Yeah, and 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 like, uh, drunk Asian and Hasidic guys would come in at like midnight, thinking it was still a. Comedy, I'm oh, thinking still a strip, strip club. Bar. Yeah, that's they hilarious. Leave after like two yeah. minutes. This is not sexy at all. It so wasn't sexy. Yeah, that guy was just yelling at me. Exactly. There was three of them up there. Yeah. No one took their clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> that girl's funny. <laughs> what? Who wants that? So, so did John see, or did you just go in and audition for the correspondent thing? Because I remember I auditioned for one at some point in time. My, no, me. How, how was it? No, I auditioned. But yeah. yeah, but it was definitely from performing so much. The casting director, it was Liz Lewis. I know Liz. Liz Lewis was, you know, and I was starting to do commercials and stuff at that point. So I knew her and she knew the UCB and she was destined to make, determined to make all those guys stars. Here's, Liz Lewis has been saying this about me for 20, 20 years. If you, and this is very common, you mention my name around certain people that go, oh, I love Mark Marin. But that's it. <laughs> the, the, the love never translated into work <laughs> or casting of any well, kind. Well, you're not like the face of Domino's. No, you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't. You know, yeah. no. I, I, did yeah. you do a lot of commercial work? Back no, then? I, I never. I didn't. I didn't go out for them very often. I, I did. I did one commercial, made a little money. Did one commercial, yeah. and I frightened children. It was a sprint commercial, a small part. 
but no, I never found myself uh, represented in a way that I went out very often. And I couldn't, yeah. I, I don't think I had the right attitude about it. I bet not. Yeah, I, I, I just like you know, I couldn't. I have a hard time going out for sitcoms. You know, there's part of me that thinks like I've I've spent 25 years working on a voice, crafting jokes, yeah. and you want this poop to come out of my mouth? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You did how many commercials? Did you do a lot of commercials. I did a, a shitload back in like yeah, about 96, 97. Like which ones? None. None. You well, the one that you may have seen, and this is kind of funny. This is in two thousand one. Actually, it was one of those one eight hundred call att commercials yeah, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Carrot Top, right? Yeah. And this was the one where he commandeers a double decker tour bus in New York, and I'm the tour guide, and he takes the mic from me and tells people about the benefits of dialing down the center. Uh-huh. And they took it off the air. I, it was it was going to be a huge spot, and I was like, oh, this is going to pay my rent for a year, right? Yeah. And then they took it off. They pulled it after nine eleven because he commandeered because he hijacked quote unquote a bus and they were like nope so your first thought after the towers went down was like great great (laughs) how is this going to affect me (laughs) and my commercial career but this weird with commercials because if you get in and you do the run then you're running with them for a while you're like the guy I never had one. Oh, I did have one for like advanced auto parts or something where I did like six, but that was like a regional. No memorable yeah. funny ones? No. Nah. Nothing good, no. Nah. All right, so let's talk dirt about The Daily Show because you were on what, the second or third season? I mean, you were there early, right? Mm, I was there during the, with, with the, the 2000, not 2000, 2004 election, which was a big one for The Daily Show. Right. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They had already been on for a while, but it was about, it was John's fourth or fifth year. Yeah, and now that that situation, how did how what was the working situation there? Oh, it was awesome. It, it was like uh, me and Ed Helms got hired at the same time. He's huge too now. Isn't huge, that, right? I, I mean, crazy. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to me. It's He's crazy. a sweet guy. Is he still a nice guy? Great guy. Between the two of you guys, I mean, it, it it's I I say this to Dave Cross. I always get into trouble. I because. <laughs> Like I've I've said it to Dave Cross over and over again because I've known him for years and I literally say to him, "Go, who would have known you?" Would have, you know, and I and I and I never at the moment I say it think that it's insulting. I, <laughs> I mean, you of all people, how how that? And he always looks at me, and goes, "I knew," and I'm like, I, 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 there, was, "There was no indication when you were yeah you know, shuffled off stage so you wouldn't get hurt." Uh, that's funny. But uh, so that was a, a strong crew. But the, but yeah. how, but how, what was the dynamic? I, I don't ever really want to get dirt on John, but there was never any tension. It wasn't di- di- dictatorial. No, 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 no. He was he was a great great boss. And you you would generate your own material. Yep. Is that how for it a lot. Well, you know the the stuff in the studio, the like chats with John or the fake location right. stuff. That would be. Largely written by the writers, right? Uh, and but the stuff where we went out, the field pieces where we went out and interviewed people, that was yeah. We we and a and a, and a producer would produce those and write those and right. do all that. And that was like the fun slash really kind of soul crushing part of the job because basically it was just like our job was to make fun of people, right? Really earnest people, <laughs> right? And you and you would sit there and never heard them. of one. yeah. You know, did they not know? Because sometimes they, I, I don't watch the Daily Show a lot, but they know what they're getting into if they obviously do the show. But some of that stuff happened in the editing, right? They never no. Uh, that and that's a the, the thing is is that it, it when I don't know what they how they do it now, but we used to only have one camera on those shoots. They could yeah. only afford one camera, right? So it was very edited in that once I was done asking all my questions, and these interviews were like three hours long, they would turn the camera back on me and I would just re-ask all the questions. Okay. So sometimes I would play with tone. Right. 
and my questions would seem a lot harsher than they did the first time right. around. And then you you noticed a shift in people because nobody thinks that John Stewart is going to disagree with them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody likes John Stewart. And they're like, well, he's obviously on my side. Yeah. So I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell it honestly. But then they kind of have, when it's too late is when they start understanding our take <laughs> on them. And you can see the blood just drain from their faces. Like, do you have any moments that you felt like, like, because I've been in situations like that where you know that all of a sudden it's become tense. It's it happens so much, man. <laughs> that you, that, that all of a sudden they realize in the middle of the joke. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a doctor. We had a doctor. We just had to get. Basically, we were we were like, all we need from you is you're the voice of reason. We need to go to a doctor. Basically, our piece was voting can kill you. Yeah. People say vote or die, but voting can actually kill you because there's a lot of germs in the voting booth. Yeah, and yeah. Other that was our bit, right? Yeah. So we actually went to a guy that studies germs and and he and he did a test on a voting booth and told us about how much like staff he found in there and how much poo poo was yeah, actually yeah. in the voting booth. Was there a lot? That's enough <laughs> to make you kind of <laughs> gross kind of creepy. Yeah. 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 That was in New York back in the old curtain yeah, days yeah, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. huge handle yeah. machines. And this guy was like, Yeah, he kinda hated us after yeah. a while and he literally said to me too, like I, these and it's a daily show dream when people actually entertain your ridiculous questions and answer them honestly i said um can you inoculate yourself so there's a lot of feces material found in this voting booth can you inoculate yourself by eating your own crap and he he just stared at me for a while and he kind of looked away and thought about it and he goes as humans we are literally bathed in feces you could spoon eat human feces with no deleterious effect. And I said, and how would you prepare that? And he was like, get out. Oh, really? <laughs> no, he didn't. No, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. joking about it, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but he really I've wanted it to be over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Now, all right. So then you do the Daily Show, and now this, how does Adult Swim work? And who should I call? <laughs> you, you know what? No, I've met those guys. They're yeah, good no, they're, guys. they're great. Yeah. And we were in a very low stakes bidding war between Adult Swim and Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Adult Swim, I just realized. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a food tray. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the money was comparable, but it was like they, Adult Swim literally will let us do anything. Yeah. And Comedy Central, there's, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. as cool with that. And it seems like the Adult Swim is a little more loyal, anyways. I mean, it's, it seems like with. Comedy Central, like that's oh, true. Thank you, thank you for the five episodes. That's yeah, true. We're gonna think about it for a couple of years, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like true. it seems like Adult Swim, they don't, they're willing to to let people go as far as they want to go, and they'll keep it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's good. Yep. And who are the people you're working with? Uh, well, in the cast. Yeah. Uh, well, the, I'm producing it with David Wayne. Uh, oh, really? And a guy named John Stern. Um, and the cast is uh, Lake Bell, Rob Hubel, Ken Marino, uh, Malin Ackerman. Uh, Henry Winkler and Megan Mullally. What's it like working with Winkler? <laughs> Great, man. Really? He's the fucking Fonz. I know, but I mean, but he must. <laughs> does he get sick of that? I mean, I mean. Oh, we don't. I mean, we've written some Fonzie jokes that yeah. never really made it in because they've all been done by Arrested Development, right? You know, but he's game for it. Yeah, but he's like, if you find a fresh one, yeah. I'll do it. But it just doesn't exist. Right what, now. what kind of guy is he though? Is he? Just... He has. He's one of those guys with, that that lives up to his Sterling reputation. You know what I mean? Just yeah. the, the sweetest, 
coolest. Because it's weird that like when someone like that, like who was part of my childhood on some level, and then like there was that period where he did the serious movies and it was impossible to to really accept him. There was a movie he did, was it called Heroes or something, where he played a Vietnam vet, and I just remember it was oh, like. God. It's just impossible for me to, to, but then like he, he, he hung around long enough and he got older and he's got a sense of humor and a little humility about his past and Definitely. he knows that he's never going to be able to fully shed yeah. that thing. And, and he seems like he's okay with it. He's at peace with it. Right. Well, you know, it's a, like back then, you know, like Leonard Nimoy wrote yeah. that book in the seventies, I am not Spock. Yeah. And then when he got older, he literally wrote another book called like, I am okay, Spock. I am Spock. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. you're right. You know, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. all right. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you're married to someone in the business? No. Well, actually, she is in the business now. She's a speech pathologist, you know, speech therapist. She was basically, like, helping brain-injured patients how to swallow again when I met her. And now she's a, she's a dialect coach for actors. Wow. Yeah. So she paid her dues in and, teaching brain-injured people. To exactly. Speak. And now she's... <laughs> she's that, she got her chops. Exactly. And, and now she's up to... She's moved up. <laughs> now she's basically just, like... Stealing money from studios. I need help. I have a, uh, I have a L, I have L problems and S problems. But you know when you, but it would, don't you can wouldn't you don't wouldn't don't you consider that part of your thing though? Well, it has to now. I mean, no. I wouldn't say it's a signature. I, I don't think. No, no, that's can. not what I mean. But I mean, like, yeah, I can live with it. Yeah. But like, but when I do voiceover auditions or something, I could become very aware of the fact that I can't say <laughs> right. an L properly. Right. And that my S is, and then I do it worse. Because I, I say L's with my throat, and I, I don't go la. I go la, so it's really a uh, wuh. You know, right, like, right, right, right. like it's lazy. It's like uh, Dan Rather, almost. Doesn't he do that? But yeah, okay. Or Tom Brokaw? Which, those, which one of those? those are, that, both of those made me feel better. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Or either Peter one. Jennings, one of those One dudes. of them had a speech impediment? Tom Brokaw. But the, the real issue is, is that would I fix it? Even if I would, am I going to spend time and like sit here by myself with my microphone going la 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 la? No, like it takes third graders a whole year to like get rid of a lisp. It would somebody that's been doing a lisp for forty or so years, like yeah, I think so, right? Like, I, I it, it'd probably be. I think we have to uh, own our yeah. Do, yeah, do, do you have any pl- speech things? Anything? I talk. I, I find myself accent. very na- nasally. I don't have an accent, but I'm like a little nasally. Yeah, you seem like you, know? you seem pretty well adjusted. You have children that you're not making a mess of, and no, they seem to be doing all right. Although, she is. I'm a little neurotic, and and she can. I, I can see it. In my older daughter. She's worried a lot. Oh, really? She worries. Are you? Yeah, I'm a little. I, really? I, I'm better now. Do you but, freak out? Uh, not as much as I used to, because now, because since I've had kids, yeah, it's something very important that is external to me that I can worry that I can concentrate on but, We're not I'm not as selfish as I used to be right well that happens but like when I picture like I don't have kids and clearly because I, I didn't it wasn't a priority yeah and I, and I think that the way my uh my second wife put it was uh, you think I'm bringing children into this <laughs> but uh <laughs> but but I I am such a panic ridden person I don't know how the hell you don't freak out all the time i had a hard time man i've i've the first two years were really it was a big adjustment like did you drive me. your wife crazy it's like is that okay should we turn them on the side or on her side kind of, or? well not so much that kind of stuff because i definitely trusted my wife with all that stuff that she knew what she was doing right but it was more like just adjusting the fact like kids are boring uh-huh they're really really like spending a whole day with a child with yeah. a two-year-old and yeah. i don't care how much you love this person yeah it's fucking boring. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? In what way? Like, yes, we can play with yeah, the crayon. Yeah, we'll read this really again. horrible book again. Yeah, and, and uh, um, play Zingo. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean. So your concern was like, is this gonna? Am I ever gonna have a good time? <laughs> yeah, like, when does this become fun? And, and, you know, and, and and it took like two hours to get her down to bed a couple times. Yeah. She went through this period where she was just scared to death. And yeah. And I was like, oh, this is like two hours out of my day is spent like fighting this child into bed. And oh, it, horrible. But your fear was ultimately like you would end up like resenting your child or or just like. When yes. It's... No, yeah, not resenting. But my fear, my my biggest fear was that I was not appreciating this beautiful thing yeah, in the yeah, moment yeah. that I was mostly just like, oh, fuck, work's over. I got to go home and clean up after these children. You know, but I relaxed a little bit and now I'm enjoying myself. Thank God. Well, also, we've turned a corner. I have a four year old and a two year old. Yeah. And now that the two year old, we're potty training her. Yeah. Uh, she can, they can drive in cars for long distances. Right. Uh, so we, it's a lot easier than it was. Louis C.K., his, because like a lot of times he gets criticized. And, uh, yeah, I know you listen to, to the episode with Louis. Yeah. But he gets criticized sometimes for the way he handles his kids uh, in the sense that uh, that like, but not by many people, but like I've, I've talked to some parents that, who are like, I mean, you're a little hard on kids. I, I can imagine the people that don't, that don't get it are right. really offended by it. But right. That's what I really like. No one I've, that first specially ad on H, was it HBO? Uh-huh. No, I've never heard anybody really, well, by the way, he's the best at really, uh, really crystallizing and 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 making light of his really most embarrassing feelings yeah you know what i mean well that's what it's about that's what it's that, th- yeah it doesn't mean you do you act on those things no exactly yeah. but like he his he really like it was the crystallization of everything my my worst most embarrassing fears about my kids like you know that <laughs> that they can be assholes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's okay to like, it feels so good, so cathartic listening to the, his bits about children because we've all felt that way, but it's the it's the biggest taboo to admit it. Yeah, they they can be very mean and they can hurt your feelings. Yeah. And they... <laughs> but also, like, he did that joke about the dog. Like, mommy, I saw a doggy today and he says, Louis says, oh, really? Where? And she goes, I was talking to mommy <laughs> and I think his bit was like, fuck you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I'm a comedian. <laughs> I got way better stories than, and that's like it's every second when you're with a kid. You yeah. just want to be like, oh, if I could explain to you why you're being <laughs> boring, such a jerk right now. <laughs> yeah. So now I I forgot that you were in uh, in W, which mm-hmm. which I kind of I like. Well, I like Oliver Stone movies only because there's good. There's always good shit in them uh-huh. because he's so crazy. Yeah. How much did you have to work with him? I mean, like a lot. I yeah. was there a lot. Like I was, I didn't have a big role, but I, but Ari Fleischer is always in the background right. of those big round table yeah. scenes. So, no, he was a very nice guy, but a weirdo, complete weirdo. And my, I had a sort of lost in translation moment with him, uh-huh. where you know when you rap on a movie or a show, they'll be like, "Mark, that's a rap on Mark Marin, everybody," and everybody will clap, and it's a very kind of weird, embarrassing moment, and. Uh, I, I rapped on the same day as like Scott Glenn, Richard Dreyfus, Josh Brolin, uh-huh. you know, like yeah. all the heavy hitters were rapping yeah, too. Yeah. So, you know, they were, there was raucous applause and, and Oliver was just going through the names. Oh, it was actually the first AD going through the names and everybody's applauding. And he went and Oliver went from person to person and gave everybody a hug and he got to me and he gave me a hug 
and he whispered something in my ear. Yeah. And people were applauding so loudly that I didn't hear what he said. <laughs> and he moved on and I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> you can't ask him to repeat himself <laughs> and that's over. Yeah, that yeah. moment is over. And I will never to this day, I will never ever know what he, what Oliver Stone, the director of Platoon, yeah, yeah. said to me. <laughs> and it could have been like, Maybe it was a- you're the best actor I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> or, or yeah, uh, you're uh, fooling yourself. <laughs> I'm Oliver Stone. I Maybe that was it. I hope it's something like that. Yeah. I'm Oliver Stone. <laughs> yeah. Just to remind Remember. You. Yeah. Fucking Oliver Stone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it's like you know, I carried you through this whole movie. You didn't do anything. (laughs) He goes like this. Oh, I had so I auditioned for it. I casted you for your appearance. (laughs) He's such a weirdo. I had an audition for him. Yeah. Um, and I thought this is the worst casting ever to cast me. I was only really known from the Daily Show at the time. In this, it's very stunty. If anybody knows who I am, it's very stunty to cast me in a very left wing. Uh, you know, mo- movie uh, very much against the Bush administration, or so we thought it was going to be. It really wasn't. But uh, oh, to cast you as a conservative, very strange. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, st- yeah. It, it would take people out of it, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and to just come ask somebody that's known as a comedian, but uh, he casted Richard Dreyfus as Dick Cheney. I mean, <laughs> so weird. Man. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. But he goes. Uh, so in the thing, I go. He goes. Uh, now I'd been on the Daily Show for years. I, you know, ate, drank, and slept the Bush administration. Right. And he goes, uh, so the part is uh, Ari Fleischer. Ari Fleischer was, um, you know, one of President uh, Bush's secretaries, press secretaries. And Ari's, and I go, no, 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 I know, I know who he is. I know who he is. And he goes, you know him? You went to college with him? And I went, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah. How did you get to, how, how were we all of a sudden frat brothers? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. From I know who yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. And so that's like, he's he's definitely like having a different conversation than you're having with him. And you're working with uh, my former intern, kind of, Ashley. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, she's my assistant. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. How's, that, how's that feel for you, to have an assistant? Uh, I'm really cocky about it. Are you? Oh, yeah. You got to do Very demanding. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can get away with anything as long as you say thank you and please. Yeah. Really anything. Would you just walk around the building a couple of times? Exactly. Go down to my car and then come back. Do you want me to get you anything? No. No. Could you please do that? Please? I'll be watching from the window. Exactly. And then wave at me. I'm going to quiz you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wave at me. It is uh, pretty fantastic having an assistant. I'm not going to lie. And is it full time? Because I got t-shirts that need to be. All right. Well, I'll do it myself. (laughs) Wait, are you asking me to be your assistant? I don't want to do that. Not applying for that job. Did you ever do shitty jobs like that? I would. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, but not in the business. I was like more of like a tempt a lot. Uh, you know, did wait. I love the fucking temp stories. I like <sighs> when people temp. It's just so fucking hilarious. <laughs> Awful man. I don't know how the fuck people hire temps because they know they're not going to be there for long. I mean, it's got to be like. Did you, I, I mean, faked it really well. Like they really thought. I got a lot of jobs. Like they would hire me yeah. after temping for a couple of days because yeah. I was really like I was a good. I faked it, but then yeah. I would never stay at a job for over a year because I never wanted to get comfortable. Yeah, and literally at the end of a year, if it even got that long, I would get myself fired so I can collect unemployment. <laughs> and I remember I worked for Golden Sachs. I was the assistant to the general counsel. Was it all your fault? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> some shit went down there. Those people were shady. Yeah. And I put and I remember it came to a year and I one day when my boss was watching, I put my feet up on my desk 
fired the next day. Really? Yep. That's all it took. And really, that was it. Oh, he was a douche. <laughs> he was a huge douchebag. And you got your unemployment. Yeah. That's I knew that's what would do it for him. That like, was he was it. already like, I just don't like this kid, but I got nothing to fire him for. Yeah. Like, I gave him an excuse, and he fired me. Did, you, awesome. know you, did you time it? Were you like- but he knew it was literally probably to the day. <laughs> and you just, what, did you wait till he was seeing? Or you knew yep. That? <laughs> yep. No, he had his desk. His desk was out yeah. of my sight, but when he did work on his little conference table, I knew he, would, he could see me, and that's when I did it. That's fucking I knew beautiful. He'd see me. Yeah. Did you ever fuck up an acting job? Um... I, w- I got fired once from a shitty play about Vietnam vets. It was written by a Vietnam vet and directed by a Vietnam vet, and I was playing the him, yeah. basically. And after one day, at re- the first 10 minutes of rehearsal, he started screaming, screaming, and he was looking off, and he was like pointing at a, like a whatever, the wall or an empty chair, and he was yelling. Mm. And I was like, this guy's flipping out. What is he? And I was like, oh, my God, he's yelling at me. <laughs> But he's not looking at me. Yeah. And uh, I, I was just like, holy shit. And I kind of panicked a little bit. And I was like, I'm, I, I got to go. And I left rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. And he called me that night and fired me. And uh, and it was it was such a gift to did, be fired did, did from Did the that. play ever go no, up? I don't think so. So he was just like, he was losing it. And... He was, uh, I forget what he was, he was, he was, I think he was yelling, feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. remember exactly what it was, but he was just red and spitting and like it was crazy oh my god not unlike what you would imagine a vietnam vet who started but writing there must have been that like. moment where you're like oh this is uh, who he is <laughs> yeah 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 and, and this would be my next month yeah. so yeah <laughs> but you, your instinct was not to just start doing what he was doing in that moment i, I, I was so trying to figure out what was happening in the room there was no doing anything except like try to process what was going on being you know emotionally abused by the yeah. vet who you're but, trying who's... but figuring out halfway through that it was me he was abusing he was, like i had no idea couldn't even look you in the eye Just couldn't even look anybody in the eye it was wild well you've transcended my friend you've transcended it that that dude all of it yeah that motherfucker yeah man boy i taught him didn't yeah, i yeah you want to email him <laughs> yeah let's google let's him, him and see how his career is doing let's get him all right rob well i think it went good I think we did it. You feel good? I do. All we right. did it today. Rob Corgi, thanks for coming. Thanks, man. It was a pleasure. That's it. That's our show. Uh, I like Rob Corgi. Him and I are friends now. I've decided that we are friends. Thank you for listening, and thanks again for all the support, uh, all the good vibes and whatnot. Uh, love the New York Times piece. I'm glad you guys saw it and uh, liked it, too. Thanks for coming out to see me again. Portland in Philadelphia. Tonight, Thursday, uh, through the weekend. That's uh, January 13th, 14th, and 15th. Next week, again, San Francisco Sketchfest. Friday, January 21st, live WTF taping with Will Franken, Baron Vaughn, Maria Bamford, Bobcat Goldthwait, and maybe Weird Al Yankovic. Not sure yet. And as always, go to WTFPod.com and get on that mailing list because I do mail that out every Monday morning uh, with some tidbits and things and pictures and the future of stuff. Also, WTF Pod Shop for the premium episodes. But I encourage you to get the iPhone app. The WTF iPhone app is available, and you can stream all of the early episodes. So that's something. I know a lot of you want it. And again, again, why, do I say that a lot? I'm not aware of my quirks. Should I be more aware of my quirks? Thanks for listening. <laughs>